Wow, that looks like it, and we're away. So welcome everybody, and we are starting today on the Acts. And actually, my Bible does not say the Acts of the Apostles anymore, so that's old-fashioned. But my Bible just says the Acts, and we know it's really the Acts of the, of the God that we love and serve. So, yeah, so the Acts is what we're going to be sitting with for the next weeks, depending on how long the Lord sort of wants that. But we're starting with Acts 1, believe it or not. Isn't that just really choice that we would start with Acts 1? But first of all, five minutes of context, because it's good to just, if you don't know much about this book, uh, most of you do, so you can just go, na 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 while I say it. But anyway, author Luke. Okay, Luke the doctor, and he traveled a lot with Paul, so he was very uh, close to the action. Now, he may or may not have been Jewish. I hadn't realized that till I looked into it, but he possibly came from Antioch, from the church in Antioch, where Paul spent a large amount of time when he first came to the Lord. But this guy was an educated man who was a very good writer, who did very good uh, investigation work. So we have a book here that not only is a good work of literature, I mean, do you like reading it? I love reading Acts. I never get sick of it. I like to go back and read the fabulous stories of God's power again. Yeah, so he was a good writer, but he was also a guy who um, had the ability to encourage and to inspire the church, to to get them to know that they're in the right place, that they're believing the right things. And look at this God we serve. Look what he's doing now. So, you know, Acts actually is the second book, the second part of a one book. And the first part was the Gospel of Luke. And you can see when you look at the first two verses, the first couple of verses of both the books, uh, they're very similar. All right, the other thing is it's a book about mission. Wow, how many, how many missions trips did the Apostle Paul do? Yeah, well, that's not the answer. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, we're about in Acts 2020, chapter 2023, all right? But we're still in Acts. We're still in that era. You need to realize that, actually, that that era hasn't gone. So just a few things about the timeline here. Oh, here we go. Next one. So we've got Jesus' death and resurrection, and then there's 40 days where Jesus walked and talked among the people again and showed them himself. Here I am. I'm actually flesh and blood and risen from the dead. And he had time to talk to the disciples and teach them a lot of stuff in those days. Their heads must have been absolutely spinning. And then he went to heaven. And this wasn't just this mighty conqueror with all his armies around him going, yay, yay. It was quite understated. But there's a reason it was quite understated, and that's because it will be majestic in the future. This is just the interim. Okay, So we've really got to know that when Jesus ascended, he was ascending 
for what will happen up in heaven, that he would be glorified by God the Father for his amazing obedient sacrifice. That's why he didn't need earth's accolades because he was going to glory to get heaven's accolades. Wow. And imagine what the angels were doing when he arrived back in heaven and sat at the right hand of God again. I mean, he'd been there before. This was his eternal position that he gave up just for a short time to, ha- to obey the Father and give his life to have a plan of salvation for us to get close to God. Okay, so there we go. Now we're up to the 10 days where the disciples waited. So did they know? Don't worry, it's only going to be 10 days, chaps. No, they did not. It was just a period of time. That's really important to know. They didn't actually know whether it would be 10 days or 10 years. Jesus said a short time, but then short times to the Lord are sometimes different from what we think of as short times. And then there was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Okay, next one. Right, so there we go with Jesus. He came to save. He returned to heaven victorious. And this is going to bring in the era of the Holy Spirit. Now, it really seems that the Lord likes to have one, God likes to have one representative on earth at a time. So when Jesus was on earth, the Holy Spirit wasn't resident on earth, except in Jesus, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, when Jesus went, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans but I'll give you the comforter. And they didn't know what that meant. You know, we can look back in hindsight and go, wasn't that nice? But they were probably going, what? So anyway, that's where next week Al gets to take the plum job of preaching on Acts 2. You've got to be here because this is going to be fantastic and it's so uh, much where we want to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was Jesus' representative on the earth and in the church. And that's where we are in that place still until Jesus returns. Now, people say the clock is at five seconds to 12. Well, we don't know, but we walk as though the coming of God is close. And we want to walk worthy of him. Yeah, so he's coming back and he's going to come in great glory to rule and to reign as king over the kingdom of God, the earth, and he will also come as the judge of the living and the dead. So that's very salutary for us to know that we need to walk worthy of our king. All right, so that's that. And now we're going to read just to set today's little bit. Okay, Acts 1. I'm not going to read the whole book, just the first 14 verses. So Turn to Acts 1 and your, wherever it is, your reading phone or whatever, or just listen. <coughs> In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for this gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, so there we are, a few days. What's a few days? How many days is a few days? We'd say two, but that wasn't what God said. Anyway, a few days, just wait and see. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's a secret. It's not for you to know the times and seasons. The Father has set by his own authority, but this is what is not a secret. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And then the disciples returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay, let's pray. God, wow, our God, your plans are amazing and outrageous and different from what we would choose or even begin to think. And we thank you for your outrageous plan of salvation, followed by your incredible outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We just love to read of this, and we just so want to experience this in the way we walk right today, God. So we're listening to you, Holy Spirit. We are listening to you today. What do you want to say? How do you want to encourage us? Where do you want to push us? We listen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever been in a waiting room? How do you like the dentist's one? Does it feel good? Ugh. I don't know if they have magazines now, but they used to be appalling and with snotty bits in the corners as well as being four years old, so that was no good. And uh, the room was rather tacky as well. The seats were dirty. Did you like it? No, because you were thinking, how much is it going to cost me? How much pain is it going to cost me? Um, but I have to have it done because my tooth is aching. Well, how about when you go for a job interview and you're sitting waiting for them to call you in for your lovely interview and you're thinking, what were those words I was supposed to say in the interview that impress the person? And actually, uh, do I have the, the goods for this job? And uh, um, 
What questions am I supposed to ask them? And what questions will they ask me? And do I really want this job and what's the pay? Or how about the other waiting times that you can think of in your own life and every one of you can think of them? Well, I waited in MIQ. Anyone else? Well, that was an experience in itself. Two weeks in a room. And, you know, that was really interesting because you could make it what you wanted it to be by how you were. Some people went stir-crazy, banged on walls, smashed holes, and generally had to be taken to task. Other people had a little bit of a plan of how they deal with it. Alex and I had some great things we did. One of the things we did was we read the Psalms. We read them for at least half an hour out loud to each other every day. That was a great way to start the day. And we went down to the little uh, exercise area at the bottom of our hotel. It was like a sort of a wee uh, greyhound track for a very small greyhound, I might say. And you went round and round and round it, and you had to make sure you didn't go too close to anyone else. But it's really hard for me because I just wanted to talk to someone else. So I was trying to sort of make eye contact and, and hi, how are you? And the, the policemen the military were trying to make sure you didn't do that kind of thing. So uh, I did that twice a day for 15 minutes, just walking around, and I found some little steps. And so I sort of stepped up and down the steps a little bit to sort of keep a wee bit fit. And then we ate. Oh, my goodness, did we eat. It was just appalling. And the food was really nice, but it was too rich for my stomach that had been used to Asian food. And I had to say to them, please don't give me breakfast, please don't give me lunch. (laughs) But that's waiting. You don't necessarily get what you want. When you want it, how you want it, it's a time of waiting. And these guys, the disciples, this is what they had. Acts 1, they went into the waiting room because they went in obedience to Jesus. They didn't want to be in that place necessarily. Nobody says, oh man, (laughs) I just feel like I need some time in the waiting room today. Oh goody, which waiting room shall I go to? No, we don't do that. It's not something we choose for ourselves. And as we follow the Lord, we find that these are things that sometimes the Lord chooses for us. And sometimes it's not an appointment that is either the time or the place that we would have chosen. Sometimes um, we would run away if we could, and sometimes we do, and we have to retweak what we're thinking. Okay. So, you know, these disciples, they're going to the waiting room, but I want you to think about the six weeks before they went to the waiting room. So what had happened in the last six weeks? Jesus had been crucified. So the one that they'd left everything to follow had died. A horrible death after an unjust trial. And then there was a whole season of fear. Well, will they come after me? What about my family? What about the fact that I actually left everything to follow Jesus and what do I do now? Do I go back to my fishing? What do I do? But what about the fact that 
everything flow from in me. That I'm living in despair because they went through this when their hope of hope was crucified. <clears throat> and then, just to be exactly opposite of that, they went through absolute exhilaration when Jesus rose from the dead and they saw him again and their hope was restored. But not every question was answered. What did the future look like now? Because the whole of Judaism was broken into by the sacrifice of Jesus. So what did life with God look like after that? So, so many questions. Just so much confusion in their minds. So, you know, God knows best. And he said to them, wait. Step aside. Just step aside and wait. You know, he could have turned around as he went into the sky and gone, whoa, be filled with the Holy Spirit now. Why didn't he? Because they weren't ready. Because he knew more than they knew about their very inside selves. And, you know, the times when we are in these places of waiting, which we will all have, and if you say to me, I've never had one, well, you are right on the cusp because we all have these times. And I can remember one time in my life where I said to God, why am I doing nothing? I could do lots of things and I'm doing nothing and no one even notices I'm here and I've got things I could offer. And the Lord said to me, you're doing nothing because that's where I want you. Because you are my arrow and I've put you in the quiver. And yeah, it's dark and nothing's happening. I've chosen that for you at this time. And when the time is right, I will take you out of the quiver and I will shoot you out. But it's not now. Oh, it just wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear. And you know, those are painful times when we have more to offer than God wants to use us with. But he knows that he's dealing with things that are deep inside us that mightn't get dealt with if we were hustling and bustling. You can hide so much in the hustle and the bustle of ordinary life if the Lord doesn't stop you in some way. You can hide unforgiveness. You can hide bitterness. You can hide confusion, frustration, if you keep busy. But, you know, in our own lives, like the disciples' lives, God is not into letting us hold on to things that will hinder us in our kingdom life, but we can hide. I can have some things in here that you've got no idea about. But the thing is, they prevent us being the people that God has got in mind for us to be. See, what do you think God wants with your life? A mediocre, sit in the church and do nothing else, so I'm a Christian and I'm going on to the right kind of place in eternity. Is 
get what he wants for your life? No way. No, that's not what he wants. He wants, he said, I have created you for a purpose. I have called you for a purpose, and I will not let you away with a half-hearted response unless you turn your back and won't look at me. You know, we can do that. We can actually turn our backs and say no. And I tell you, thousands of people have done this. In time of crisis, they have turned their backs and said, either they've said that's not enough or that's too much. I haven't got enough of the things that I want to have in life. Or, oh, this is all too much. It's too painful. I don't want to look at those things. I don't want to face those things. I want to be out there doing stuff in the world like everybody else. And if I, I see my friends, and they're having a great time, and I don't want to be stepping aside from that. But that's what the waiting room is. We are stepping aside from the things outside, and God is saying, do it in obedience to me in preparation you know, the thing is about the waiting room is, is it's not permanent. We feel like it's permanent when we're in there, but it's not. It's just a temporary thing. I do feel that sometimes we can make it longer than it needed to be. I mean, just think on that one and ask the Lord about that. I do feel that's possible, and I think sometimes I've done it. But what the Lord is saying is, if you will just sit with me, and get the answers from me, and be reformed by me, then I will be able to thrust you out into that more permanent area where he's got, he's got to do the work here before you can do his work there, or it will be tainted by the things that he wants to deal with. Okay, so the disciples give us a really good idea about how to cope. Now, they weren't always really good, were they? So if you looked at them in the storm and they went, ah, Jesus, uh, you go, oh, that wasn't a really good model for me. And you see Peter going, oh, I want to walk on the water, and he's halfway there and he goes, ah, and he falls in the, in the water. And you go, oh, that's not a good model for me either. And Jesus rose from the dead and uh, Thomas wasn't there and he says, oh, I won't believe unless I see the whole works. Oh, that's not such a good model either. But in this instance, actually they've spent 40 days just being blessed by the risen Jesus. And they're in a, just a different place. They're in a place where they are open to what the Holy Spirit will do in their lives. So the first thing that they did was that they actually did wait. This is the hardest thing when you don't know what's going on because often you feel antsy, you feel restless, you want to do something, you want to get out of there, you want to, well, whatever you operate like in that position is what comes out then. Very hard. But the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. And I can do, I can do desolations all over the place. I can do anything I want. I can do anything you'll let me do in your life. 
anything is possible for those who believe. Be still. He also, here's a verse from David. David learnt this in uh, Psalm 131.2. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. Whoa. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So the way to wait well is to learn to be content in whatever situation you're in. That's what Paul said, I'm content. I've learned. This is a learning thing. This doesn't just, you're not born with this. You know, you don't just, some people just aren't born with, oh, I can be content everywhere. Actually, contentment often comes through trial. And you learn to be content in whatever situation you're in. Okay. You know, he, uh, David said, I have calmed and quieted myself. And you know, there's a lot to do with our minds when we're in the waiting room. Because we don't have so much in our body. We have a lot of stuff that goes on in our minds. And you know, that's why when we go to Hebrews, we find that, that uh, the Hebrew writer of Hebrews, which could have been Paul, said a couple of things about where to fix things. Very important. Fix, stick firmly to. Fix your mind on heavenly things, on Jesus. And then later on, fix your eyes on Jesus. And, you know, when we're in that waiting time to, to wait well, we've got to be careful what we're thinking. And we can go down paths that the Lord doesn't want us to go when we have time. How many people know that, that our minds can be a cesspool? Our minds can be a worry pit. Our minds can be uh, an anxiety. You know the things that go on. I don't need to tell you the things that you are tempted to visit when you have time and you're feeling out of sorts. Because this is what can happen in a time of waiting. Okay, but anyway, the other thing about waiting is if you try to force this faster than God's time, you will come out half-baked. Just like the cookie that said, let me out of here, it's too hot. Don't do it because you won't be ready for the purpose. You don't want to be spat out of someone's mouth because you didn't cook right. Okay, so the next thing we learn about the disciples is they prayed. So verse 14 says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So this was not a, in the morning I get up, hello Jesus, thank you, amen. This was throughout the day they had an abiding need to just be with the Lord and talk to him. Now, it is perhaps a little easier in the Jewish culture to have this mindset than in our culture because they had a rhythm of prayer through the day. So that was something that was of real benefit to them when they got to this situation. Now, for us out in the world, um, unless you want to talk about yoga and mindfulness and Eastern religion stuff, actually out in the world, there's not a, a kind of rhythm 
for us to follow. We need to make this. We need to make habits, good habits of disciplining ourselves before the Lord that are absolutely opposite of what a lot of the world offers us for our minds. But, you know, if you don't discipline in this area when you are in a waiting time and this is the time for it, um, you won't be able to do it further down the track either and things will come back to haunt you. So this is the time to deal with things. Okay, so here's just a wee question for those of us who maybe are in this place and going, I just can't pray. I'm just so restless. I, I, I can't do it. I've just, oh. Well, how, how do you have to pray? No one said that you have to pray kneeling down by a chair for a start. Actually, I rarely do that. So how can you pray that actually helps you if you're restless? Go for a walk and pray in tongues. You don't even have to use your mind. Hello, don't use it if it's being bad for you. Just go and pray in tongues. You know, and now they did their, the uh, apostles couldn't do that because the gift of the Spirit hadn't been released then, but we're mighty blessed. We have some whole lot of extra stuff in our arsenal to deal with these types. Okay, so go for a walk, pray in tongues. So what else can you do? Get the Psalms out and read them out aloud to the Lord because there's an awful lot of, uh, oh God, I can't hear you. Oh God, I'm desperate. Oh God, I don't know what to do in the Psalms. Read them out. They will just bless you and they'll bless the Lord because they have come from his heart. So why don't you put the music on? Put your headphones on. Go for a walk and pray. Don't go for a walk. Sit in the chair with the music on and say amen, hallelujah, just at regular intervals and listen to the words and make the words your prayer. Hey, go for Jeremy Riddle. If you don't know anybody who will take you closer to the heart of God, I recommend you listen to some of Jeremy Riddle's songs. Okay, so you can go to the beach and you can say it really loudly to God at night when no one's there. That's okay, God's big enough to cope with what you're feeling. Now, I've got to say, there have been times in my life when I've spoken to the Lord quite loudly quite firmly and possibly a little rudely. But thank you, God, that you understood the cry of my heart at that time. Okay. You know, the th third thing that the apostles did that was right was they met together. Met together. They were with other people who loved the Lord. And you know what the devil wants to do in your uh, waiting time is he would really love to get you with discouragement. Now, this is a, a, a very familiar ploy, discouragement, doubt, and depression. Oh, my goodness me. When we have a time when things are less active and we're uh, just not quite sure, a little bit confused, can't see the future, Whoa, this is so, we should all know this so that we can actually counter it straight away and don't go down that track one foot. Discouragement, doubt, and depression. Discouragement, oh, it's all been for nothing. Oh, and I'm so tired anyway. Doubt, I can't do this next stage. Who am I to be a, uh, he says, a witness 
in Jerusalem, Judea, da-da-da, and the ends of the earth. That's not me. Oh, my goodness. Depression. Well, that's when you uh, just let yourself come adrift. And isn't it easy to do, to just become adrift and lose our bearings in a time which is tight and enclosed and not comfortable. It's just so easy, and it's a devil's ploy to ruin this time, which God wants to be an incredibly reforming time in our lives that we will be forever grateful for in the future. Okay, so next thing. This is where hunger is birthed. The waiting room is where hunger is birthed. Either hunger or boredom. You can choose it, and you do choose it. Hunger for God. And he says, if you are hungry, you will be filled. Blessed are those who who hunger (coughs) and thirst after righteousness, for they'll be filled. So you choose hunger or boredom. Boredom, and you will go down that way, hunger, and you will just seek the face of the Father more. And it says that they, what did they do? They didn't muck with their time. They chose to constantly be seeking the face of the Father. So their prayer times deepened and increased in unity. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer. Togetherness. There's a unity. There's a support. And we need this support. When we're going through something tough, there is, are no prizes for doing it alone. You know, in fact, there's no good about doing it alone. And this is what you feel most like doing. Now, you know, way back when I was uh, a little younger, you know, that's not long ago, but um, I had a, ba- a bout of depression after one of my babies, and it was a really nasty knock. And what did I feel like doing most? Sleep and be by myself. I went to the supermarket because I had to. I forced myself to. And all I wanted to do was lie down on the supermarket floor and go to sleep. Oh, that's really weird, isn't it? But this is what the devil gets you with. And we want to encourage each other out of this frame of mind and into a deep hunger, a deep yearning for the Spirit of God to flow in our lives more and more. You know, uh, how do you come out of this? You know, the Song of Solomon's 8.5 says, Who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? So, you know, this is the goal that we would come out of any wilderness, any waiting time, any tough time, and we won't come out of it better, we'll come out of it better. We'll come out of it leaning in intimacy on our beloved. So Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord. So do you trust in the waiting time? 
Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on what you think this thing is all about that you're in right now. Do not lean on what you imagine the future might look like. Do not lean on all your rational ideas. Lean on the Father. And these guys, the disciples, got it right. They were leaning. They were leaning more. And in the end, they were leaning more and more. That's where we have to be. So as we finish, I want to just talk to you one minute about reformation because this word has been spoken over our church. And Adele Keith spoke it last year about reformation as a body, but also there's prophecies coming out about reformation personally. So I just want to read a short uh, bit from Lana Vorza, who is a prophetess uh, in the nations. And I just uh, am very encouraged by what comes from her. And I want you to listen to this. This is what she said. And I want you to listen to it with your heart for you. Okay? I heard the Lord say, We are going on a reformation journey together. This is a deeper place of co-laboring with him than you've ever walked in before. The Lord's dealing with areas and effects of previous seasons the enemy was trying to use to take people out. Areas where the soul was burnt out. Areas where there'd been strong winds that have attempted to knock many out of their God-given position of authority. I saw the Lord also specifically moving in the place of identity. The depth of wisdom, revelation, and understanding that God was releasing on them was so, or on us as we wait with him, was so weighty, so sacred, so deep. Such an invitation to lean in and receive his vision, his heart and strategy with greater increase in the place of communion with him, where trauma and grief no longer reside. I just want to read that last paragraph again. The depth of wisdom, revelation, and understanding that God is releasing, wants to release on us, is so weighty, so sacred, so deep. Such an invitation to lean in and receive his vision, his heart, his strategy with greater increase in the place of communion with him where trauma 
and grief no longer reside. Now, this is what the disciples got. And this is where God wants to take us on this journey, this reformation journey. So God, today, we put our hands up inside and we say to you, okay, okay for that reformation journey. You've said that you will make all things new, all the things that have always hindered me, the things that have stopped me, the things that I've doubted, the things that you are dealing with right now. And if you're in the waiting room, you'll be able to list a few of them. Lord, I list them to you. You know them. And I say yes. I say yes. Oh, make me hungry, Lord. Make me hunger for you, yearn for you in this dry and thirsty land where there is no water because you will give us the richest of fare. That's your desire for us, that you will bring us into a place of abundance when you've done the work that would only dog us for the rest of our lives if we didn't let you do it.